Welcome to the UND Chi Alpha Podcast, a podcast to shape students that are making disciples and changing culture on the university campus, the marketplace, and the world. We hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Mike Mislinski. Could we agree that we all desire to be pursued, right? We all have that desire to be loved and to be pursued. And I have good news. I have good news for us because, uh, before, well, before I get to the good news, is that because wouldn't you say that you guys have all dreamed or like, I wonder what it's going to be like to marry that special someone, to be with that special someone, right? Like it's all something, woo. Sorry, I have to fix that later, Andy. <laughs> but we all desire to be with someone and we picture that and it's, we want to be loved, we want to be pursued. And so the good news is that we have a God in heaven that is pursuing us constantly. And just like Anika was sending me these letters and these notes, we have a God that sent us a beautiful letter and it's called the Bible. And so tonight we're going to start this series. It's called Walking with God and my subtitle tonight is just His Word because we're going to focus on the Word of God and how powerful it is. And so let's dive in. Uh, Like I said, the Bible is like a letter to us. So Again, it's hard to wrap my mind around it sometimes, but God is a person. He's not just this being out there that we can't interact with. We talked about that week one, um, but he's a person. And this, this is paper, right? This is paper. So like, how does this connect? But the thing is, is that the paper connects us to the person, correct? The paper connects us to the person. And so it might be a stretch, but picture God like writing that note, like, like I pictured Annika writing that note. He, he's passionate about us. He desires to be with us. And the thing that's amazing about this book is we can see his love and his pursuit for his people from cover to cover. And that's why I like the, the graphic Kenzie made, like through, through times of dryness or in the desert, through difficult storms or through stormy waters, but also through you know, the good times and there's times of celebration and then you see the apex in Jesus. And so the Bible is so, so powerful. And I believe it's what the world needs today. I believe it's what our world needs today. They just don't know it, right? They just, this is a book that has a lot of answers and I believe it's what we're looking for. So I want to give you a little bit of a rundown of, of tonight's message. So I'm going to go through three reasons why the Bible matters today. And so we're going to hit those three. If you're a note taker, I want to give you a little, little bit of a, a frame of how you can write your notes. And then I want to hit, like, what's the one thing that God wants us to grasp about his word tonight? So we're going to start with those first three. We're going to gra- dive into a main text and see what God wants us to learn about his word with some supporting text. And then we're going to do, uh, learn about what we can do moving forward after we've discussed these things. So there are going to be some practicals at the end. So I want you to say this with me as we move forward. Before that, I'll pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for tonight and that you've brought all these wonderful people uh, here tonight to hear your word. And so, Father, I pray that you would speak to them and that my tongue would be used as uh, just a vessel for you to speak tonight. So bless the message in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want you to say it's powerful. It's trustworthy. It's relevant. All right, you can throw that, that first one. It's powerful, trustworthy, it's relevant. I was thinking PTR, what's something that would be memorable? The Bible is primetime reading. <laughs> primetime reading, let's go. So why is the Bible relevant? Why do we need it? And the first thing that I wanted to share is that it's just, it's powerful, you guys. 
This book is powerful. We're going to look at a, a, a scripture for each one of these. So the first one is Hebrews 4.12, and it states, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Does anyone else know a book that says it can do that? Or a letter, anyone? I don't know of any other book like this. I don't know of any other letter that's, that, that claims something like this. this. This word is living and active. Like I know like some of your, some of your like books out there or good novels, they can maybe change your mind or persuade you to think something, but this word declares that it is living and active. And then something that I don't understand, sharper than any two-edged sword. So I'm picturing a super sharp sword, right? How is something sharper than a sword? You know, like if you think of a super sharp knife, it's, it's cutting like butter, man. And, and so I'm just like, how is it sharper than that? I don't understand. And it's piercing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and, dis, and it discerns our thoughts. Like, what is this book? It's amazing. And it's so powerful. And so I just want to throw up a visual uh, of, the, of a sword, and it's on the Bible. And so just, just for a visual, it's sharper than a sword. It's a powerful tool that we have that God has given us um, as we walk with him. And he wants it as we walk with him. He wants us to understand how powerful this word is. And we get to do that as we get as we spend time in it and get to know him. So the word is powerful. The next one is that the word is trustworthy. The word is trustworthy. Second Timothy 316. Uh, the first part of it reads all scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is breathed out by God. And then it goes on to say, and it's uh, also used for uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. It's profitable for those things. But I wanted to focus in on this first part. All scripture is breathed out by God. So what does that mean? And so as I've studied and learned about the word of God, it's that all the authors were inspired by the spirit um, by God, and then they, they wrote what the Spirit was inspiring them to write. So picture just like a download from heaven, and then what the Lord was speaking, they began to write. So it was literally God writing through the authors. And so to take this a step further, I just want to share this, because it's a trustworthy thing, and we can't really dive into, this is a whole sermon on its own, and there's so much scripture on the word. It was so hard to pick and choose what to, to share tonight. But because, yeah, we could defend the Bible for, for a long time, but that's another sermon series for another day. But there are 66 books in the Word of God. There's 40-plus authors. It was written over thousands of years, 3,000, 4,000 years, somewhere in there, and then in different areas. And yet they're, they're, it all aligns. It all fits. Isn't that wild? Like, how does that work? You know, like, 40 different people, different time periods, different places, and yet it all lines with itself and it references itself. And so I want to share a graph that really, really touched me when I first saw it. And it's showing all the chapters of the Bible. And then it's showing all of the references of how the Bible references itself. And it, it's, it's really beautiful. If you want to throw that up there. Is it not working? No. That's so anticlimactic, you guys. It must, be, it must be too big. Shoot. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to post it somewhere. There it is. Sweet. Oh, I'm so glad. And my mic died. <laughs> so I, 
I might need the handheld. Where's the handheld? I might yell for now. Check one. Okay, we're good. Thanks, Judah. So I love this picture. So all these lines represent the different chapters, and this is Psalm 119. It's super long. But then isn't it crazy how the Bible references itself so much? It refers to itself. It connects to itself. And so this is just one example of how we can trust the Bible. It's so trustworthy. And so on this, on this graph, there are, make sure I say it right, 63,779 references to itself. We can trust the Bible. It's true and trustworthy. And then the last one for your notes is relevant. It's relevant. Psalm 119, 105, it reads, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so I, I'm just going to leave it as it is. God wants to guide us through his word. He wants to walk with us through his word. And he's going to you know, guide us and give us direction, give us purpose through his word as we engage and spend time with his word. I like to liken it to a roadmap or a manual. I like visuals. So you can throw up the roadmap of North Dakota. Now you know how to get to Grand Forks, to Dickinson, if you need to go there. Take I-29 and then 94. But that's, that's what the Bible does. It's a roadmap for our lives. He wants to guide us. Or if you identify, who's a Lego person? We got Lego people in here? Why don't you throw up the Lego manual? Like his word, you guys remember step one and two? Yeah, you guys remember building the race car. Wow, lots of love for the Legos. <laughs> so again, this step-by-step -step guide, it's, you know, he's lighting up your path. It's, it's just like this. It, the word of God is a manual to our life. So what are they? Primetime reading? Can we rip them? Powerful, trustworthy, relevant. Cool. So this is why we need the word of God. It's so valuable to our lives today, here and now. It's not outdated or anything like that. It connects us to God. It shows us who he is and it helps us walk. And on top of that, he's pursuing us through it. It's, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I want to tr like transition here is this, this is what I was asking God as I was prepping tonight or for tonight. It's like, what does God want us to know about the word tonight? Because again, there's so many different facets. There's so many different facets of how God relates to himself and the word in the Bible. But I was brought to uh, John six. So our main text tonight is going to be John six, starting in verse 47. And this is what I felt like he wanted to share tonight about why his word is, is so powerful and, and what he wants us to know is this, is that the word of God is a food that nourishes. So that's my, that's my big thing we're gonna dive into. God, I think God wants us to know that his, the word of God is a food that nourishes. And so when you think about food, when you think about food, I love food, but not as much as Annika loves food. Oh, she's a foodie. If we... If I love our vacations because we get to go where I want to go as long as there's like good food involved. That's our vacations. It's great because I like to see things and she loves to eat. And so it's fun. But the thing with food is that it's a temporary fix, right? It's a temporary thing. You're always going to want more tomorrow, correct? It's never fully, fully satisfying. You're always, you're, you could even be super full. And then the next day, at some point, you're probably going to get hungry. You're going to need more food. It's only temporary, temporarily satisfying. And so the Lord is referring to himself as the bread of life. So let me set this up a little bit. What happens is that Jesus 
it's kind of ironic. He just feeds the 5,000. He, he multiplies these loaves and fishes, and then he feeds the 5,000. And then he goes and walks on water. That, that scene happens. And then he goes to the other side of the, of, the, of the sea, and that's where we pick up where he's having another conversation with the people. And he's talking about himself being the bread of life, and it's, it's hard for them to digest. But again, remember, walking with God, he wants us to know tonight that he is food that nourishes. So we're going to start in verse 47. It'll be on the screen. And it reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So let's pause here and, and, and decipher a little bit what's going on here. So he says, I am the bread of life. And then we see him reference manna. And so what he's talking about is in the book of Exodus, Moses saves the Israelites. They go through the Red Sea and then they're wandering through the wilderness for 40 days. And then what happened was this manna just appeared in the dew, like in the morning, and they could gather a day's worth of manna and then two days worth when there was the day of rest on the Sabbath. And so he's referring to that and he was saying that didn't last, just like I was talking about food. It didn't last. You always needed more. And it was funny, if they gathered too much manna, it like rotted and got bad and it was like, dis and it was disobeying God. And so Jesus in this, in this text is saying, like, that's not what I am. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven now, and anyone who eats of it will have eternal life, will have eternal life. And then in that last verse, 51, in the second half, it reads, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So what he's referring to there is he's referring to what he's about to do on the cross, that he's going to give up his body so that we can have eternal life. Um, in, in him. And so now we're going to continue on to verse 55 through 58. It reads, For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread of the fathers that they ate and died. And he's referring to the man again. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. So something we got to get out of the way here is Jesus is not talking about cannibalism. He's just, he's not talking about literally eat my flesh. It's going to save you. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that I am the eternal love. I am the bread of life. And to get more context, our subtext is going to be John 1.1 and John 14, 1.14, and it reads, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we see, in the beginning, the Word was there. This was there. In a way that we can't understand, the Word was there in the beginning. And then in verse 14, it reads, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, that we have seen his glory, Glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So now connecting those two pieces of Scripture to our story, we get more understanding. Jesus is saying, you got to eat my word because I am the word. 
I am the word. And so going back to our point, the word of God is a food that nourishes. Jesus is referring to himself that this is where we need to be. This is what's going to nourish us, the word of God. The word of God is something that that food will never be able to do for us. So we're always going to want more, but this is eternally going to satisfy us. It's going to get us to when we eventually meet Jesus, this is going to satisfy us from now until we get there. This is what nourishes us. It's food for our soul. And I love that. I love that. Isn't that cool? Jesus is the word of God. And so I love, we see the life of Jesus. And how do we learn about the life of Jesus? We get to read about it, right? We read about it. Anyone alive? Yeah, okay, okay. And this is how, so this again is his love letter. This is our, it's kind of funny, but this is our food right here is the word of God because Jesus is the word of God and we learn about him through reading his word. So now what can we do moving forward? This is where we get into the practicals. If I have three points, these are, these are my three points. So the first one is this, is be in the word daily. Be in the word daily. It's so, it's so important. Why do we need to be in the word daily? Because God's a jealous, first of all, God's a jealous God. He wants to be with us because he's pursuing us. And this is how we get to know him is being in his word. And so that, that's how we get to know him. And so I like this dating analogy uh, that I heard once is that I, I started treating God when I was beginning to read the word of God like, like I was dating God. It's kind of a weird concept, but because I, the way we would treat a significant other or someone we're pursuing is the way God wants to be treated. And so I heard a walkthrough of the day and it really stuck with me and I wanted to share it is that we, you know, sometimes we're like, all right, I'm going to bed. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend time with Jesus. And then our alarm goes off and we're like, oh, I'm too tired. And we hit the alarm and then eventually we have to get up and, and go right to class. It's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to, to Annika if I was pursuing her. I wouldn't stand her up like that, but it happens. And then it's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have lunchtime. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time with you, Jesus. And then you know, you get behind on some homework and so it doesn't happen then. And then, all right, in the afternoon, I'm going to do it. But then you get an opportunity to go golfing or play spike ball or go get coffee with someone. And then you don't do it at then. And then finally, you get to the end of the day and you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm sorry, but I'm going to spend time with you now. And then you end up spending a little too much time on your phone and then you're about to read and then you're falling asleep. Anyone been there or is it just me? Okay, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. That happens. But so what, I, what I'm saying is to be in the Word daily, what's something that I learned was, and I, I've, I've talked to a handful of people in here about it, is, is to set an appointment with God. Make a date with God. Make it a daily thing. And so that way, if, if something happens, you can say, well, I have something on my calendar from 3 to 4, from 10 to 11, from 7 to 8. And so that way you already are holding yourself accountable because you have something set up in your schedule. So to be in the Word daily is so important. Uh, to move forward to walking with God because he wants to pursue us through his word and, and share with us his heart. The second thing we can do is we need to do is we need to interact with the word of God. We need to interact with the word of God. And why? So we internalize what he's trying to share with us, what's in his word. And so this is super practical, but something in Chi Alpha that we love is, is an acronym called SOAP. If you haven't heard about it before, we actually have some slips on the back table. Definitely encourage you to take one if you've never heard of SOAP, but it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. 
And so the S, literally reading the scripture, the O, observing, and that's what we were doing as we were reading John 6, like what is Jesus saying here? What did it mean in that time? What's actually happening? And then my favorite is A, okay, how does this apply to me? So maybe as you're reading, it's like, oh, I, God wants to nourish me and I feel malnourished. I need to spend more time. Lord, I'm gonna spend time with you. That's, that's an application. And then prayer is praying it over your life, praying it over your life and into your life. And so interacting with the word is so key. That's the next step into being that we can do practically. And then last but not least is share the word. And this isn't exactly maybe the way you're thinking I'm saying, because obviously as Christians, we need to share the word. But what I'm referring to here is, is tell someone about it, whether it's your small group, whether it's on a one-on-one, uh, whether it's just mom and dad, like share, so, share with someone what you've been reading because it helps you internalize it as you're teaching the word. And then also it can encourage those that you're sharing it with. And then also the Lord might encourage you to share it with someone that doesn't know him. So those are the three things practically we can do with the word that we need to be doing with the word. And so I want to share, uh, worship team, you guys can come up. We're going to get ready to, to wrap up here. But I want to share the story of when the word of God really became personal and powerful to me because when I got saved, I really started relying on this, like seeing it on the screen and then like, you know, whether it's Chi Alpha and then church on Sunday is where I really relied on, you know, getting fed by the word. And finally, after two years, I was encouraged to start checking it out for myself. And so it was my junior year and I was an RA in Walsh and something was just changing in me because I started realizing that the word was powerful, that it was trustworthy, that it was relevant, and that it could really satisfy my soul. And I started walking with God in his word. And so I would come back to my dorm room. And if you've ever been to my house, there's this glider chair that sits in the corner. And I love that chair. It's sentimental to me because uh, that was the chair where I got nursed as a baby or rocked as a baby by my parents. And so it has a lot of value to me. But then instead of coming home from class and like, you know, we'd play FIFA, we'd just go hang out, you know, with, with my sweet mates and stuff. I had this hunger to just sit in that chair and read God's word. And the, the, the word just started jumping out at me because I, I began to experience God pursuing me. And it was the coolest thing with the phrase I say, I was saying to a bunch of people, I was like, why don't they make a movie about this stuff? You know, and then I learned that they do. <laughs> I just didn't know because it was so powerful and just, it was feeding me, it was satisfying me, it was, it was so beautiful. And the reason I brought up the rocking chair, because I just look back and I see like God was rocking me in like my infancy stages of, of walking with him as he was pursuing me and I was pursuing him. And so I just, can you, I want to end with this picture. Can you imagine what you and D would look like if, if every Christian just started pursuing God and was really getting the heart of God through the word, getting nourished, getting fed. I feel like UND is gonna start changing as, as, as we do this as, as, as a group, but as, as Christians do it. Can you imagine? Like I think the world, I think our university would change because the word's gonna start coming out of us. And I wanna give us that picture. It's like we can't hide it. You know, we talked about uh, in the podcast, it's, it's something we can't put a, a basket over. We got to be a city on a hill. And so I just believe that as we get God's heart 
And as he's pursuing us, he's gonna start using us to pursue others through the word. And as we know it and get it into our hearts and internalize it. So yeah, I wanna leave you guys with that. The word of God is so powerful, trustworthy, relevant, and he wants to nourish you through it. He wants to feed you through it. Thanks for tuning in to the UND Chi Alpha Sermon of the Week. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us at undchialpha.com. Let's go reconcile students to Christ and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. See you next time.